This is the Horse Radio Network. Two girls turn their horse trailer into a bar, and we think there are spirit animals. Don't miss this special drink recipe all the way from the Royal Horse Show. On episode 11, we talk about what it's like to get back in the saddle after an injury. Caroline and Justine talk about their experience with cryotherapy, and yes, it's freaking cold. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where three horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Hour! I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jess Payne. And Mm -hmm. I'm Caroline Colbertson, and welcome to episode 11 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Thanks for joining us again. And for the fans of this podcast that like the more intricate cocktail recipes, we have a real treat for you because we have a very special drink that was made specifically for us. I think this is the coolest thing. Um, This drink was developed for us by the Royal Horse Show in Toronto. And um, Adam Clift, who is a hospitality consultant, which I think is really just a fancy name for a bartender in this case, because he developed this cocktail for us. Well, Um, well, I feel like hospitality consultant means like they have more credentials than a bartender usually. You know what I mean? Like he's got a certification or something. He does, for (laughs) sure. He's legit. But in this case, he is our bartender. And he came up with this drink. It is called the Royal Treatment and it's a twist on a Manhattan, which everybody has had um, before. I actually think Manhattans are delicious, so I was really excited. I love yeah. Manhattans. This is a Manhattans good Manhattans are the bomb. So I will let him explain how to make the royal treatment. Um, so this is Adam Clift explaining uh, to us how to make this special cocktail. Um, and thanks again to the Royal Horse Show for letting us create a cocktail with them. Hi everyone, my name is Adam and I'm going to be walking you through how to make a drink called the Royal Treatment. We start with one and a half ounces of Canadian Club 12 year rye, a half ounce of uh, Antica formula which is a sweet vermouth, and then the secret ingredient is half an ounce of maple brandy. Of course every good Manhattan has got bitters, so bitters for taste. Give that a nice stir. Fresh glass and fresh ice. And garnish with a couple cocktail cherries. And there you have it. It's the royal treatment. This episode is presented by EcoGold, a leader in saddle pad innovation. Known for their non-slip, shock-absorbing saddle pads, half pads, and protective horse boots. Trusted by Olympians. So, guys, Jess, let's start with you. What do you got for news this week? Oh, I got a good one. So... Did you know, I'm not even sure if this has ever happened in the United States or anywhere in the world, but in Brazil, they put a horse in jail, like in a whole <laughs> jail cell. Uh, Wait, sorry. That was funny. Like a live, a live horse. Like, yeah. And like police, like put it into a jail cell that like where people usually stay because, oh yeah, because apparently like they were walking him and I'm not quite sure how this happened, but he kicked a car. And they thought it was like, basically, they're like, oh, well, we need to punish him. Oh, my God. And so they, they, they didn't punish the person that owned him. They punished the horse. Put him in I'm, a jail cell. I'm looking at this picture, and it's hilarious. Like, think about all the all the manure they're going to have to pick up after that. Like, what a nightmare. How do you get into a jail? Like, how do you get a horse? It's wearing a halter. I don't know if it escaped with the halter on or what. 
I wow. want to know like why you put a horse in jail and like think, okay, that's a good idea. But then the bigger thing is, is then the owner was all mad because they're saying animal welfare should have like been considered because they didn't feed it. It's not like you can feed them people food. And they said they didn't have proper water. So like it kind of feel bad for the poor horse. Well, I mean, yeah, I feel really bad for the poor horse. It was freaking put in jail for kicking a car, which is just like normal horse stuff. Also, what was the, I, I'm curious as to know, and I don't know if it gives any details. What kind of situation was this horse in where it was, was it like in a public place? Well, they just said that they like basically took it on a walk and it, like his friend asked him to take the horse for a jog and saw no problem <laughs> beating him out. And then he kicked a car. Oh my God. People are so freaking weird. That is the weirdest story. So I don't know. Do you have anything to top that, Caroline? Um, so this is a little, uh, it's a little less mm, out of left field. Um, so, but this is a super interesting thing because, um, and Jess, you'll be able to weigh in on this a lot um, as an upper level of inner. Um, this was an interesting thing that happened over the weekend at the Adelaide CCI four star, which is the four star in Australia. Um, Stuart. talking about Stuart's? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so Stuart Tinney was riding, um, he was competing in the four-star. He was riding a 12-year-old um, gelding named Warhawk. And uh, in the water complex, they had a little miscommunication at the brush. And originally, um, 50 jumping penalties were added to Stuart's score because it appeared that the horse had missed the flag. Um, so this is the new FEI rule for 2017. So this is still, obviously, the kinks are not completely worked out of this rule yet, as made evident by this this news. To, to just clarify for people that don't know what this FEI rule is, it's if you miss a flag on course, um, so the horse, you know, kind of jumps it, maybe jumps the side of the jump, but does not put its head and shoulders and neck through the flags, um, you are assessed 50 jumping penalties if you continue on. Uh, and not the, like re-jump the jump. Right. That, so, okay. so the so rider previously you used to previously used to get eliminated, right. but then most people are saying, you know, well, I didn't know I didn't jump all the way through it. Mm -hmm. So then instead of getting eliminated, now you get 50 points. So, but if the, you know, if the, if Stuart, for instance, had, had thought, oh, I don't think my horse jumped that jump all the way then they can choose to accept 20 penalties. So fewer penalties and represent to the jump um, as if it was a, a full run out. Um, but, you know, a lot of these fences, they don't have, you know, high sides. Um, they're just flagged on either side and the flags come down. So like if the horse knocks the flag down and it's, you know, neck and legs are, and, or, and shoulders are to the outside of the jump, it can get 50 penalties. So anyway, um, originally Stuart was given 50, finished the course. Um, later the 50 penalties were removed because there was a photo of the horse that showed the shoulders, neck and head of the horse within the flag. Now the right front leg, I think it's the right front leg is yes. clearly outside of the flag. Right. Um, I can see it in this photo here. Okay. But but that's, but, but that's irrelevant because the rule, um, as I understand it, Jess, correct me if I'm wrong, the rule is that it's it's head, neck, and shoulders. Yes. Okay. And 
Um, I have to give shout out because I saw a video and this is how I actually knew a little bit more about the situation was it is a very controversial. There were a ton of people on social media saying he should have gotten the 50. And I have to say, if you watch the video, it looks like he didn't jump through it. It, it I mean, it honestly does. So like, I totally Mm -hmm. get where you should get 50 penalty points. But I have to give a shout out to Megan Jones. I don't know her personally, but she did an incredible interview. I guess she was the writer rep at Adelaide. And she did an incredible interview where it shows the pictures on her phone. like, And she discusses, she talks about the rule, exactly how it's stated as the FBI states it. And so, I mean, I was one of those people like, you know, I'm obviously in the United States and I just watched the video that I saw or I saw pictures on social media and I was like, I can't believe we got it taken away, you know? And then I have to say, as soon as I saw Megan Jones's video and the way she explained it and the way that picture is, it doesn't state that the leg has to be in and the leg is not in and that's where you see it. And it clearly shows in those pictures that the horse's shoulder point of shoulder and past it is through. And so I actually think the ground jury did a great job in reversing this. And there were other riders at this um, same event that received 50 penalties. And then it, it kind of became, so he wasn't the only person that, that faced this debate. And so then I think what kind of made this snowball a lot more was that there were other riders that didn't get their 50 penalties removed. And then they were upset because they felt that they didn't, they didn't think that Stewart's horse had really jumped the jump and fallen within that rule. Um, So there was, as with social media and eventing lately, there was a lot of heated debate on social media over the weekend about whether or not, he should have kept the 50 penalties. Um, he ended up um, he ended up uh, show jumping clear for third place. Um, so he ended up, you know, placing quite well. Um, they would have placed 11th if the penalties had not been removed. Um, and ultimately, the event, um, you know, he didn't win the event anyway. Clark Johnston won the event. But it's it's an interesting thing because it's a very good example of a newer rule that, you know, people maybe still don't fully understand. And I didn't fully understand either. I mean, I, I'm just, I was like you, I watched that video and I was like, say what? Like that horse did not jump, had jump. But then I saw that photo and I was like, you know, it's, it looks can be kind of deceiving when it happens that fast. It was. And I mean, I have to give them credit because they did the research and, you know, I was really appreciative. Thank you, Megan, for posting that video, because I think it changed a lot of our minds and kind of opened us up to what was really happening all the way on the other side of the world, you know, because I had, we had no idea. I didn't see it personally. So, um, yeah, I was, it was awesome. Justine, what do you have for us this week? Okay. So this is the best news I've ever come up with for the podcast. Okay. I don't think I'm going to top this at all this year. Okay. I'm so scared of what you're about to say. It's incredible. (laughs) So there are these two Irish sisters in Ireland who converted their horse box into a bar. And it's actually the same type of trailer. I just recently sold. It's a rice two horse trailer, like that typical European horse box, you know, where it's like you walk in up front or you walk in with the back ramp, but then they have the cool front side ramp. If you guys aren't familiar with rice trailers, 
But so they converted their cool little horse box into a bar. And it is like shabby cheek, like perfect, amazing. And they take it. They're they're like so cute. They wear like little vests and matching bow ties. And they bring it to weddings and to events and horse races and all kinds of stuff. And people can just order, order a drink and they have a bar. And it is the cutest thing ever. Like the way that they redesigned this horror horse trailer to make it a bar. It's called the Giddy Box. And it is with cute lights and the bar inside is just like, it's amazing how they retrofitted this bar in there. It's, I mean, I swear it's like made for Hills Down Happy Hour like that. We need to hire them. They need to show up somewhere because it is, it's just so perfect. This Uh, is incredible. I I want them to break down in front of my house. (laughs) No, I think this could be Justine's new thing. Justine can bring her trailer. You already have one, you said, and we should, we'll paint it. We'll have a painting party. I know. Unfortunately, I sold it, but I would buy another one just for this purpose. Like maybe this will be my goal before Rolex or something. I'll just show up and you guys won't know. And I'll come with the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That would be incredible. I love it with the horsey bar. That is so cute. And I love their Irish. I don't know. That just makes them cuter. I just love. I know. I just like you go girls. Cause it's what a great idea. That is awesome. That is probably the best news. <laughs> the EcoGold Cool Fit Saddle Pad is an intelligent pad that keeps your horse cooler. EcoGold has integrated smart textiles in its Cool Fit Saddle Pad to create an intelligent saddle pad that senses the sweat of your horse and reacts by reducing temperature and quickly evaporating moisture. This saddle pad combines a flexible shock absorption system with smart textiles the most advanced moisture management and heat dissipation technology. Check out ecogold.ca for more information. So Justine, I know that you were the very lucky recipient and tester of these, um, of the Arc de, Arc de Triomphe. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, bridle with, it's the Imperial Bridle with raised fancy laced reins. That sounds very deluxe. So tell us how you liked it. So first of all, I'm a huge fan of Arc de Triomphe just to begin with, because their leather is just like the the highest quality and it's beautiful. They make custom saddles, but they're really known for their accessories. So like their reins and their bridles. And they specialize mostly in like hunter, you know, very simple bridles, but very uh, like the quality is so beautiful and the stitching is so pretty. And that's what I love most about this Imperial bridle. I mean, it's just, I put it on uh, two different horses and rode, rode on it just once, but it is a really elegant, beautiful bridle. And it looked great on two different, like very different horse heads. So I put it on my thoroughbred. who's like a big block head <laughs> and they made him look kind of pretty. He has a giant ass head, but anyways, <laughs> and then I put it on a young horse that we had in the barn that we just sold, but, um, he looked really good in it too. So, but it just has like this beautiful, you know, just, just enough fancy stitching, uh, across the noseband and down the side, like cheek piece, but the high, the leather is such a high high quality. Uh, it just it kind of naturally finds its place on a horse, you know, without you having to do mm. too much. And it just you know I had a big pretty hunter D bit in it, so it just like it was the perfect hunter picture. If my horse was like clipped and looked not homeless, um, 
so anyways, I was really happy to ride in this. And this is definitely a, a bridle I, like, I would never use at home for schooling because it's too nice. It would be a like a show-only bridle. That's how, like, how high quality it is. So, and uh, I, I understand that this is one of ADT's most popular bridle models out of you know, all of the bridles that they make and sell, the Imperial bridle is one of the most popular and I can absolutely see why. Um, like I said, there's not a whole lot of technicality to it because it, it's mostly just a hunter bridle. So it's very simple, thin noseband, thin uh, brow band, but they're padded. They're, it seemed very comfortable on my horse. I had no problems fitting it. Uh, the fancy uh, raised laced reins were great easy to ride in very pretty plenty long enough and i had the standard and i had i rode on two big you know two bigger horses and it was plenty of room for for both of them Uh, i really can't i really can't recommend it enough it's just such a pretty bridle you know you know what i mean like when you're at a horse show and you like just a piece of tack really stands out on a horse i feel like this bridle would be that bridle that you would see you would be like wow that horse has really turned out nice I feel like having a bridle that fits like that is a total game changer as far as just the first impression that you make on a judge when you go into a ring. Like if you have well-fitted, beautiful tack, I know you're not supposed to reward anyone for that, but it just helps paint that complete picture of elegance and it's just beautiful and um, there's just nothing better than a then I almost just said a bra that fits. That's also <laughs> true, but I meant bridle. Um, so I have one question. Uh, so I know that the bridle that you tried is the is brown. Um, this bridle comes in brown. Can you just, there's lots of different types of brown. So can you just maybe comment on the color? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's a, I don't want to say like an oak bark or a Havana, like I don't, you know, whatever shade of brown, but for me, me like it matched my saddle I think and I think it's the type of bridle where if you oiled it enough you could you could make it work with whatever mm-hmm. shade of brown you wanted it to be uh but t- going back to your point about like finding a bridle that fits really well I went through a phase earlier <laughs> this year where I really wanted a rolled leather dressage bridle because aren't they just like beautiful like that rolled leather with the thick noseband and I tried like three different types of bridles and could not find one that like just fit naturally. Like the one I have now, I actually ended up cutting some of the leather leather with scissors. Like, Oh my God. I know I mutilated this bridle to make it work and it still doesn't look great. You know what I mean? Where I was like, Oh, I guess it's fine to school and at home, but it doesn't, you know, I was having this picturesque thing where I really wanted a nice rolled leather bridle. This one, not, you know, it just fit the second I put the horse on and you were like, Oh my God, got goosebumps. It was so pretty. You know what I mean? Yes. That is awesome. So, and they do, ADT does sell like a matching running martingale, like, you know, to kind of complete your look if you wanted it. Awesome. I'm glad Mikey got a little bit of luxury. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, she chopped up my bridle before. Oh my gosh. I know. It was an expensive bridle too. (laughs) Now I can never do anything with it, but let Mikey eat it, you know? No, but yes, no chewing the range, Mikey. Do not be bad. Um, and their website for anybody that wants to check out uh, their line, their tack line, it's adttack.com. So you guys can go there to check it out. 
This segment is presented by Landsafe. The risk of having serious injury is once every 55 falls. A rotational fall increases the risk in once every five falls. The Landsafe Rider Fall Safety System is a training program designed to teach the best practices of fall prevention and response to riders of all levels and disciplines. Don't gamble on safety. Visit LandsafeEquestrian.com and find a clinic nearest you. I don't know if you guys saw this story, but this really, I, I don't know, it just really like touched my heart a lot. Um, and I think that a lot of people connected with it when they read it. Um, this is on HeelsDenmark.com and uh, Nicole, uh, sorry, Sally Spickard wrote this article um, with Justine Dutton. Uh, I don't know. Oh, it was fabulous. Yeah. So we actually did mention when she had this fall because it was just so terrifying when she had this fall um, several months ago, it was about five months ago at this point. uh, We talked, mentioned it on the podcast. um, And it was, it was a very, very bad fall that she had during the nation's cup at great meadow in the plains, Virginia. Um, She was riding Jack, my style and she, they had a rotational fall she was in the intensive care unit. The horse was okay. So that's important to note. She was in the intensive care unit with a concussion, a collapsed lung, several broken ribs, a broken collarbone. Gosh. She also had her vision was was very affected um, and still is after that fall. Really, really bad fall. She um, suffered nerve damage to the optic nerve in her right eye. Wow. Um, I so- did not know that until reading the article. Yeah, so she has really been through the ringer. I feel that it's so often, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but we we so often see those stories, you know, especially with eventers who are known for kind of their grit and their ability to sort of get up and get back on of, you know, oh, well, you know, Boyd came back from, or he, you know, he rode around with a broken arm or he came back from an injury you know, three, three weeks after it happened, or, you know, Philip did the same or whatever. There's, it's always a lot of stories of how fast riders get back on and get back to it. This is a really different perspective. And I thought that it was so inspiring and amazing to read an upper level professional who's very, very accomplished say that fall scared the crap out of me. And I didn't know what I wanted to do after that. Um, This was her second serious fall at the advanced level. And she said, you know, I knew something had to change. And this is, uh, you know, this is her quote. I never doubted I was going to ride again, but the daily routine of even just getting out of bed and showering was difficult enough that it was not at the front of my mind. Yeah. And that gives me goosebumps because Uh, that, that could happen to anybody, you know, that's, it's the risk you take getting on a horse some days, you know, like that could happen to anybody. And I just think it's, there's, there's so much payoff. And I think that, you know, when somebody at the top of the sport speaks out like this and is willing to sort of be vulnerable um, publicly, I can't tell you how many comments and emails and everything that we've gotten from people saying, thank you so much for that article that made me feel okay about being scared. And I just think that that is like so brave of her, you know, she was so vulnerable and, you know, willing to sort of share that she doesn't know how fast she's going to come back. She just started jumping again. And she said that 
she just she just started jumping cross country again and she was jumping you know fences that for her are relatively small and she said you know it's hard she was said that she was very nervous um so she's really had a big kind of priority shift i think i really love this quote i'm just going to read this quote um for those that haven't read the article and she said there's so much more to life than just chasing qualifications do you know how many weddings or other big life events i've missed that we've all missed because of horse shows i know they're important but there are always more horse shows there are so many terrible things happening in this world so much more than horse shows and i just love that i think you know she's it doesn't make her any less dedicated to her horses or to the sport, but I think this fall, you know, really changed her priorities. And I just, no, I just think it's so brave and cool and awesome and badass to be able to talk about it. She makes a great point to you. Like, why is there this rush, like to get on the fast track, to get to the top of the sport? You know, that's and what I, I loved. That's what I loved about the article when she talked about that. Me too. Cause I, why? Cause how old is she? You know, she's, she's a young person who is very talented and she's built a business for herself and she's already competing at the top level, but, but why? Cause I mean, there's one thing to have goals and to dream, but I think it's important to take your time and find your own path and not have this tremendous pressure of what other people are doing or, you know what I mean? All these other things, like she clearly well, this has the person talent. did it, this person did it in this path. And so I have to take that and you know, they were riding at the four-star level at 30 years old. I right. was 34 and like, no, you go at your own path and your own program and your own horses and everything else and kind of just follow it. And I love, I love the way she talked about kind of just going back down and saying, look, I'm going to not chase the qualifications to get up to a four-star. I'm going to go be better and my job's to fix the problems and make herself better. And I loved that. Like she, I don't, I mean, I don't know her very well, but it was an awesome article. Like, and she just was opened up and was so vulnerable and that's so hard to do. It's so hard to do. And I also feel we're so conditioned from an early age in the sport, especially those of us that started riding quite young with programs. And I'm not bashing these programs at all. And I don't want you know, my words to be taken out of context here, but with programs like NAJYRC and sort of these young rider development programs where they're young people competing at a very high level, it's very easy to see that and think that that is what everyone should be doing. And that it's that, so from an early age, it is a race to the top. You know, it's a race to get those qualifications to you know, get to young riders or to get to some other, you know, big destination show, whether it's, you know, the AECs, whatever it is. Um, so that's really, in, and, you know, and even in the hunters, it's, it's the same thing of point chasing. Uh, mm -hmm. That's instilled in us at a very, oh very young age. And I think to have a top rider and someone that this is her living. I mean, for, for most of us that feel this pressure, it's not even how we make a living. Um, you know, so, so then there's even less actual need to, you know, fulfill some sort of timeline. There really is no timeline. And I get, I find myself often, you know, I think we've talked about this before too, where I find myself very often being like, oh my gosh, you know, I, 
am 27 years old and like I haven't done everything that I want to do yet and I'm never going to get it done and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, that's just not true. I mean, this is a lifelong sport. Thank God you don't age out of it at, at any point. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So, I mean, have you guys ever had a fall that really, that really scared you that made you take a step back afterwards and reevaluate what you were doing? Jess, I feel like you had no. to have had something. I've had, I've had bad falls, but not anything where, I mean, no, I, I just, I mean, honestly, like when, you know, I'm like, I just know I'm a, like, I was a bad faller. So I had to like, go obviously to the <laughs> landscape. I'll <laughs> talked about several times. Hearing you but, tell that story is like the highlight of my life. Oh my God. But like, you know, I think all of mine, I've been lucky and knock on wood, like, you know, I've just. But I think a lot of like my priorities have changed in the last couple of years. I mean, I'm now eight months pregnant, so um, that's obviously not riding right now. But I think a lot of it's changed for me where is I wasn't really I've never been the one that like fits the mold of, oh, everybody else does that. I have to do that. That's just not me. Like I kind of just do my own thing. And like so it's a little bit different where like none of my falls were really. Oh God, I like, if I fell, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to go make sure it's better and make sure it's this, but it never really, I never had that moment where I was like, oh no, you know, I got to change everything. Do you think that will change once you have baby Hudson? I know that's hard. I mean, and that's why I think a lot of my stuff's changed period because, you know, my goals in life have changed. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to go up there and say, Hey, I have to have another four-star horse right now. You know, I, it's, I'm happy having my young horses and everything else because my life has changed. I'm pregnant with a child and I think everybody says everybody's different, but I don't doubt that kind of my maternity instincts will kick in and then, uh, right, your priorities it, change. And I feel like that's yeah. pretty normal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a little bit different for everybody, you know, and I think, I think everybody get, it gets affected every, you know, honestly, I got more scared watching Doug fall than watching, you know, than myself. Like that was, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's way more than, you know, when I've fallen off my own horses, like, you know, I get up and when I broke my collarbone, I was like, oh, she's fine. Great. Like, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible fall. She just misread the top rail, but you know, I've, I'm honestly was more disturbed, not disturbed, I guess that's not the right word, but like more affected and scared when Doug fell, mm. you know, that's like interesting. When he had a dead fall, like it was completely way worse than any of the falls I've had. And I'm not sure. And I'm not sure the degree of it was worse. Just the way I felt was worse. I have seen some bad falls, um, that have had, that have affected me in a way of, it doesn't make me scared while I'm on a horse, but it's that, I think when you see enough really bad falls, it kind of makes you realize that it happens. It could happen. It, it can happen and it can happen no matter how good of a rider you are, no matter, yeah. no matter how safe your horse are, is no matter what level you're competing at, mm-hmm. it really makes it so real and no one's immune to it. Um, so I think, you know, seeing 
seeing falls, you know, not even having them yourself, like you're saying, Jess, I think seeing them can really mess you up too. Um, My thing was that, so I broke my arm very bad, very badly. Um, And I, I wasn't even riding when it happened, but um, it happened when I was working with a horse on the ground and it was such a violent break. (laughs) I mean, it was just, I mean, it was truly like my arm was snapped in half, like both bones oh. were broken and completely displaced. And God, jeez, uh, gross. Uh, it was bad. Um, uh, so when that happened, it was so strange because I was like extraordinarily calm when it happened. I was like, "Oh, my arm hurts," <laughs> and then um, you know, I was just like, I. I'm going to go grab my purse out of my car and I think we're just going to go to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And then of course, you know, because your adrenaline is up and you can't really feel it. Um, and then for about, so I had to have my arm like completely pinned back together and raw, you know, the whole like tons of metal in my arm. I think I have like 16 screws. Um, so the two weeks after that surgery, I think for, I think three or four times I would have these like really vivid nightmares that like my arms were broken in some violent, crazy way. And it was just, I don't know, it's just like so weird. Like it's weird how your body communicates with your mind. And um, again, this didn't even happen riding, but I did notice when I got back on a horse, like I was very protective of kind of myself because I was like, man, that really sucked. And it, you know, I was out for so long and I just didn't want that to happen to myself again. So I think any kind of injury, um, it can be very traumatic mentally as well. Um, you know, no matter sure. how, how bad it is. So, uh, but anyway, I just, I don't know. I wanted to bring that article up because again, so many people have written to us just so grateful that she was vulnerable and willing to talk so openly about, you know, what, you know, kind of how you, how you recover from that. And, uh, I just thought Justine Dutton is just such a badass. So there (laughs) there is one thing I wanted to bring up because like, thank God I've never, I knock on wood, whatever, praise be whatever spaghetti monster in the sky. I've never had a terrible fall. But I mean, where do these things come from? <laughs> what is that saying? Have you guys I mean, never heard of the spaghetti it monster? Like, just like knock on wood, like what? Oh my god! Okay, you guys need to Google that. That is like a thing that no, I'm not, not. I don't want to offend people there's who are no, religious, but Google there's it. No way. I'm gonna send it to you, and you and I will have a discussion off the air about it. Oh, but I'm trying to make a very serious point right here. <laughs> Okay, well, so bringing it back, bringing it back is not a serious point to start off. It actually yeah. is very serious. But anyways, <laughs> I am very lucky that I have not had a terrible fall. I've seen them like like Caroline, you mentioned. But there's that, you know, there's that they're kind of like something we haven't mentioned about this. It's like you fall the whole the whole mentality, especially when you're young and you're learning and you're going to fall and learn from it is to get back on and ride. Uh, but it's, uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I, like I think immediately to a young horse I had a couple years ago who had a rearing problem and it was the first time I was afraid I was going to get hurt because he had like reared and 
and fallen back mm-hmm. on top of me more than once. And I was like, I'm getting too old to be able to get up from this, you know what I mean? As quickly the next time. So I just, I remember that being a, mo- a monumental shift in my young adulthood being like, okay. Cause I was so fearless for so young for so long when we're young and you're just so eager to ride and get better. Like I, you know, I would ride anything and never think about it. But I remember that moment being like, I need to be smarter about what I choose to ride. And I, I noticed that even now the barn that I have, we have a lot of sales horses come in. I sit on a bunch of them uh, for our barn owner to kind of like get them moving, get them started. But there are a few where, you know, you just look in their eye or you see them in the field and I go, I'm not going to sit on that one. <laughs> but I don't know if that's because I'm like, like nearing that's gonna be a hard pass. Thank you. So yeah. Where it's like, I, I, I don't want to say it's like this innate fear driving me, but it's, in my brain to go, what is the worth of me getting on that horse? If I fall off and break my leg and then can't ride my own horse or, you know what I mean? Like you make decisions differently. Uh, And I think that that happens for, to people at different points in their life and obviously in different points of their riding career too. But I think it's important to your own development, uh, how you make those choices. And I think Justine Justine's whole situation is is a really great example of that, that she's finding her own path and it doesn't matter what, you know, what other factors play into that. She's focusing on herself. And I think that's really important. Know your own boundaries is basically what I wanted to get at. But read about the goddamn spaghetti monster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I am so excited. That's incredible. Really incredible. Original, thought-provoking, and inspiring stories, and also fun, delivered to your phone in an interactive package every month. Subscribe to Heels Down Magazine for one year and get two months free. All right, so Caroline, you and I have a weird shared experience lately in that we both tried cryotherapy. Uh, We did, and we had very different reactions. (laughs) Okay, first off, you got to explain this a little and further what actually this is. Cause I've never done. <laughs> okay. This All right. So cryotherapy is like this new, not really super new. It started in the seventies, but it's like new in that like white people are really into it. Uh, it <laughs> and it's, it's basically they pay a certain amount of money and they go to like a, a specific center and you stand in a cooler or you literally get into a tube with a, or a door opens and you stand in it and you stand in, Sub-zero temperatures, uh, like the one that I was in, got to one, negative 180 degrees. Caroline, what was yours? Like, do you remember what your temperature was? I don't freaking remember what my temperature was. It was in the negative 100 and something. I want to say it was like 130-something, but honestly, I can't remember. But it's basically, it's very short. So you stand in this chamber or room that gets in the negative 100 degrees-ish, and it's supposed to help... Uh, like help with muscle recovery and stimulate blood circulation. So if you have like weird inflammatory issues uh, or chronic pain in in specific joints, it's almost like getting in an ice bath, like on steroids and that it's supposed to really regenerate um, and help with pain management almost immediately. And these, and these sessions start very short, like two minutes to three minutes tops. Some of us don't last that long. Do we Justine? This is true. I had a panic attack and bailed. Wait, you couldn't last <laughs> two minutes? No, I freaked out. Totally freaked out. You can watch a video of me freaking out. No way. Um, I'm the, photographer, 
The photographer who came with me laughed at me. All right. So, was, but he, in, was he in the cold too? No, he just filmed it because it. All right. So be, I'll, let me explain my experience. And then Caroline, you need to explain your experience because I'm pretty sure they're polar opposites. No okay, pun yeah. intended there. But anyway, so. <laughs> Good one. So I went to this place where they, uh, they do two types of cryotherapy. One where you walk into a room, which is literally like a walk-in freezer in the back of a restaurant. It smells the same. It's sort of like, it reminded me of being a waitress back in the day. And then they also do like localized treatment. So say you have a knee injury or an elbow injury, they use like a hose that, you know, shoots out cold air and you could target one specific point. So I chose to do the whole body experience to, you know, get the full feel of the whole thing. And it's pretty cheap. It's like 30 bucks a session. They offer like monthly rates. Uh, they recommend it like come after a day you, you went to the gym, that kind of thing to for muscle recovery. So uh, as a first timer, based on my height and weight and that the fact that I'm not pregnant and didn't have any heart conditions, I should go in for like two minutes and 30 seconds. And they, uh, the guy told me to wear like as little clothes as possible just to expose Ow! my <laughs> expose my body to the elements. So I wore like a tank top and gym shorts and they give you a pair of like Ugg booty type things. And I wore gloves and a headband to keep my ears warm. And then also a face mask. Cause they said the biggest issue they have is, uh, acclimating your breathing to the cold air. Cause it's, it's the coldest air you'll ever really experience unless you die on the top of a mountain. You know what I mean? Like you're never going to, you're never going to experience negative 180 degree temperatures. This is sounding terrible. So, so I am, uh, I'm kind of a weenie. I'm not really into like trying this kind of stuff. And I, I'm sort of claustrophobic and the room is plenty big enough for me not to be claustrophobic in, but because of all of this stuff that he mentally told me, you know, like prepped me for, I was nervous going into it. So I'm like, I'm wearing my headband, I'm wearing my my face mask, I'm wearing my gloves and my boots, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this, but I have to do this because work is paying me to do this. So I go in, <laughs> I go into the cooler and they play like really loud dance music, which is what? great. You know, they're like trying to make it like hip and cool, and but then he told me don't move around too much because your body will get colder if you you know are using too much energy. And I was like, all right. So I stand in the middle of the room. And there's a big window that like looks out to the rest of this, you know, gym center. So I can see the guy who's operating the thing. Um, and he has little signs that he holds up like two minutes left, one minute left, you know. So the music's playing. I'm standing there. It, it, it is very cold. It takes us, you know, a couple seconds for it to really sink in. But it, it is really it's really effing cold. And I, the hardest thing for me was breathing, like breathing it in and trying to keep my yeah. breathing e- even. Yep. So I literally lasted a minute. He he put the sign up like <laughs> a minute and a half to go. And I said, nope. And I bailed. And I remember before I, before I even went in, I asked him like, you don't lock the door, right? Like you don't lock the door. Cause I was so worried I would be locked in there oh, and I would die. Oh my gosh. So, so I come out and it was very cold. My teeth was chat. My teeth were chattering. I can immediately feel my body working to warm me up which was great, which I think is the whole point of this, like is to stimulate that, mm-hmm. you know, like your body working to warm you back up. It's kind of jumpstarting your circulation system. Um, you know, I have some general stiffness in my shoulders and my back, which I think is from riding for many years, but I don't, I never felt throughout the rest of that day that it, that it made me feel better, you know, in terms of stiffness. And I had a headache and the headache lasted all day. 
and you like, I drank water all day. I didn't drink any caffeine. And, uh, I think the headache was because my breathing was not even in that cold weather. Cause sometimes like when I, I go skiing or something with family or been to cold weather places, I get headaches in high altitude, cold environments. So I, so he told me the headaches were normal, but that's because and the more I would do it, my breathing would get better. So, uh, that was my experience. And before we get into the the bro science about this. I'll let Caroline, you should explain yours. Totally is bro science. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't mean to brag, but I lasted the whole time. <laughs> All right. Your okay. face wasn't in it though. Um, so that is the big difference. And I think that that is like the make or break thing. Also, there was a really attractive man that was doing the tech stuff for me. And I did not want to chicken out in front of chicken him. out in front of this very attractive man um i hope my fiance's not listening okay um so my experience was different because i was just in the tube and the tube only comes up to well the tube is really tall but then they they raise you up once you're in the tube so that your head and neck are not submerged in like the cold the crazy cold air uh so the room is just a normal temperature and you're just in this cylinder that you walk into um, and they close you in. You're wearing mittens and dun, 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 what was I wearing? I was wearing like boots and socks and I wore a bikini because we were filming. Most people do it naked, but I mean, I don't wow. know. I didn't want to make it a porno for Heels Down Magazine, so <laughs> I chose to wear a bikini. Um, and they shut you in and my session was three minutes long, which is the standard, uh, package or whatever. Interestingly, um, this studio was in New York city and it was way more expensive than $30 a session. Um, their packages to go regularly were like in the thousands. It is expensive. Wow. In New York. I mean, everything is going to be more expensive in New York city, but it was way more expensive. And she was telling me about, you know, all the celebrities and supermodels and athletes that go there. Right. So it's obviously very popular. Um, but you do pay a bit of a premium, I think, for that experience. The dude at mine was telling me like all the celebrities that went to it too, and like sports people. Yeah. So I think it's pretty like posh and hip and cool. Like a fad. Yeah. Um, so I went in with a bikini on, um, but again, like I said, most people go in naked, like they, they, you have a robe and then you take it off and hand it to the technician once you're in there. And, uh, the, my, since my head and neck were above the air, I was breathing in a little bit of that, um, that freezing cold air, but I, Justine, I truly cannot imagine breathing that air. Because it is so, your body goes into such shock when it starts to get that cold. And I can't imagine like not having been able to breathe normal air. I was really able to focus and I kind of like went back to like my yoga breathing a little bit and I was able to sort of focus, slow my breathing down, control my breathing. There was a moment that I got lightheaded. Um, and I think it's just your body adapting and, you know, the blood rushing to where it needs to go. But that's a humongous difference is having, yeah. to breathe, not having to breathe it. And I was in there for the whole session for three minutes. And 
it was very, my legs were completely pins and needles. Um, I was talking to the camera the entire time that this was going on, which is also part of the reason I couldn't chicken out. If I had been there in, in there by myself, it's highly possible I would have chickened out, but uh, I was locked in there and there was this really hot guy standing in front of me and the camera was on me. So I was like, this is totally fine. It's like that meme where like the house is burning down. <laughs> I was like, this is fine. <laughs> um, so, and then I, as far as after effects, um, when I came out, I felt that same rush of my body working really hard to warm me up. I felt, I felt great when I came out, uh, later that day, I didn't have a headache. Um, I was very thirsty. They said that that was normal because they claim it jumpstarts your metabolism. Hashtag bro science. I don't know. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's entirely true. Um, I did not lose any weight doing this experience. Uh, so I felt pretty normal the rest of the day. I didn't go in with an injury or one specific pain. My biggest fears going into it were that I have metal in my arm and I was like, oh my gosh, if it makes that metal really cold, that's going to be really painful. And I was like scared because they warn you to not go in with any moisture on your body. Like you have to like wipe the deodorant off your armpits. Like you are not supposed to wear lotion, anything like that, because it can give you a hypothermia. And I was like, Oh my God, what if I get really nervous and my armpits start sweating and then I get frostbite in my arm? Ah, <laughs> or like, what if like, ah, I feel like, like this is more I, panic attacks than actually doing something for the better for you too. And then I was like, also really worried about like my lady parts getting too cold. So I like stood with my legs, like locked together. <laughs> Because that was going to happen. Like I was, was like, I do not want frostbite down there. That would be a <laughs> real roller coaster for me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my uh, God. So there is a funny. certain amount of fear. I agree. I think like, the more you do it, you know, the more comfortable you get. If you're like, if you're someone who does it and goes, wow, I think this will work for me because I work out like an insane person every day. You know what I mean? Like it's supposed it to be like, help. you know, like icing to the extreme, right. like is basically what this yeah. is supposed to be. Uh, so the alternative it, is that you dunk yourself into an ice bath, which people have been doing for forever. Yeah. Um, and we do to our horses when we put ice on them, that sort of thing. The idea is that this is supposed to be less miserable. Right. And faster. Yeah. Cause I you have to soak in those for a while. We used to, right. we used to have to do that in high school. I do think my experience was less miserable than getting into a nearly freezing plunge pool, probably. But just because it was fast. I mean, it was three minutes. Yeah. I, I would have freaked out in the tube, though, because I'm a claustrophobic person. And if it locks and I can't physically open the door <laughs> myself, I would have just I would have hulked out. I would have I don't care if there was a hot guy manning the door. I would have hulked out of it. So that would have been the incredible part is I wish that she had been in the tube it, and then it was on film of her like trying oh to like, like it would have been scale. just seen this is fine in the fire for two seconds and then it would have been like nope and then I would have walked out. Oh my god. I wonder how I, fast she would have scaled it. I'm oh not claustrophobic. That didn't bother me at all. I don't mind being in small space, especially because your head is sticking out. 
Right, right. Well, so, okay, now let's get into the science part. And first of all, did you know that someone died in one of the tube chainers? Yes. What? Yeah. Thank God I did not know that before I went. And Justine, you and I both, I know, did not heavily research the experience before we did it because we were both a little anxious about it. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. If I knew. So that uh, is crazy. So I think, can you, do you remember what state that was in? I can't it, remember. It was in Vegas. So Nevada. Vegas. And, and it was a woman, it got national coverage because it was just as it was like 2015, just as uh, cryotherapy was sort of becoming like this mm-hmm. new health fad. And it was a woman who was an avid user who worked at a salon that offered it. And she went into the chamber, uh, the tube style, which is nitrogen based. So that's they use nitrogen to cool it really fast, where uh, the room type that I was in, they used like a series of compressors to cool the air very fast. I, I don't know if that matters. The guys who, you know, sell this to you tell you it matters, but it doesn't matter. So anyway, she was in the in the chamber after hours, like the salon had closed and she was using it herself mm-hmm. and, and she died and they didn't find her until the, the next day with the machine still on. It was a terrible thing. Uh, but the coroner, the coroner said that she died from asphyxia, like she couldn't breathe and like oh, suffocated. And that's how she so and that makes me, that makes me go, Oh my God. Cause I couldn't breathe. And I got a heart, like a headache. Would I have like died if I stayed in it two minutes, oh, God. you know, in my crazy <laughs> brain. But so anyways, that's, Probably an isolated case, but I did interview a couple of doctors and academic types to go, is this a new health trend that's going to stick around because the results are great? And uh, the doctors told me that there are very few medical studies out there about this, and most of them are pretty uh, inconclusive is the best way to describe it. Like, There's no science out there that is going to prove that you can lose weight or that this is going to make your face look younger that some places claim that cryotherapy can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's proven that ice helps aching joints, but uh, this is a severe uh, manipulation of that in that it's it's uh, extremely cold and for short times that there's no way to really gauge the long-term effects of that. Like anecdotally, yes, someone can go into a chamber who is sore and could get out of it three minutes later and feel better. But uh, long-term, is that going to help you in any way? We don't know. And the, the doctor I talked to, um, I thought did a really good job of kind of putting this into perspective that if you're a football player, if you're, you know what I mean? If you're a famous athlete, your whole career is dependent on that one to 2% edge of you being better than your competitor. And that's how you make money. So if cryotherapy is going to give you that, you know, slim 1% edge of being faster or recovering faster or whatever, that's more worth the risk to you than say an adult amateur horseback rider, or, you know what I mean? Or even a serious crossfitter where where that's a hobby. Um, You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, what is the health risk to you? We shouldn't always look to uh, famous athletes for examples of people we should follow and we should do this because they do it, which I I thought was a sort of like, I thought that was a pretty smart approach to this. Yes, I do not. Like I said, I did not lose 10 pounds. I did not look any younger or older or really feel a whole lot different. I realized that I only went, you know, one time, but it's kind of, there are a lot of claims um, about what cryotherapy can do for you. And I think that 
if if it works for you in the in that you know it alleviates pain or it makes you a little bit more comfortable after a hard workout by all means um personally my honest opinion is that i would probably not invest that kind of money in going to do that regularly for anything like you know a cryotherapy facial or i don't know any sort of skin anything like that it just that would not be for me but you do you so now it's time for our mailbag question this time danielle wrote a question which i thought was really interesting she said I've heard rumors about a possible changes for hair being wrapped up into helmets. Thoughts? Question mark. And I think that's a interesting thing. Um, is there a rule getting changed that your hair has to be inside your helmet or something like that? Justine, didn't you write to the USEF to find out? I did because when Danielle submitted this question to us, I was like, huh, I don't know. So we went to the USEF for answers and uh, yes, the USCF is considering a proposed rule change on helmet fit, um, which we will post some notes, you know, in the show notes where you guys can look this up. But basically, uh, what's happening is, you know, the way I, I think it affects mostly hunters. So, you know, the way we pull our helmet up into our hair, I guess everybody, you know, women pull their helmet up into their hair. There is some concern out there that the way your hair fits up into your helmet, uh, ultimately changes the way your helmet is supposed to fit on your head and it makes it unsafe. Okay, so the proposed change, if you care for the statute, it's like GR801 and dress. And it's talking about how uh, basically uh, technical delegates and things at horse shows can uh, look at someone's helmet fit and ask them to readjust their helmet and uh, what can happen if, you know, if they're if it's not secured correctly or if it's too tight or if, you know, if your, your chin straps not on correctly, they're just basic, basically giving technical delegates and judges more say, I guess, over if they see someone wearing a helmet where it's, it's very clearly not properly fitted that someone could say something to a rider. So it's not about whether hair's up into the helmet or if it's down, like a lot of the show jumpers are doing now where it's like flopping and, you know, there's no hairnet or anything. So it's all just about the fit of the helmet, correct? Yeah. So I'm going to read this like very technical sentence in in part of the rule change. So it says, a show committee must bar riders without properly fitted protective headgear or hair not conforming to the rules from entering the ring for classes in which protective headgear is required and may bar any entry to or person from entering the ring if not suitably presented to appear before an audience. So that sounds more like what you're talking about. Like if your hair is, I guess maybe if like you're a show jumper and you don't put your hair into a hairnet, right? Yes. Um, but a lot of, I mean, I think, I think it just, but that kind of sounds like it could be up for discussion. Like, I mean, some people think it looks fine to have the hair down. Right. But there, you know, it, it kind of goes on. It kind of, so it's a very long explanation that kind of goes through all, all these different variations of helmet fit. Um, but what's interesting is the Chronicle of the Horse had a story in March earlier this year where they, uh, they went to a specific presentation about uh to a doctor about helmet fit and they talked about you know why basically why we wear helmets and why they're important how helmet fit has changed but uh there's a there's a part of this story that talks about hunter hair 
specifically and how girls kind of pull their hair until, you know, like those tight little buns at the base of your helmet or the back of your head and how we kind of shove those or try to shove those into our helmet. Well, that definitely affects the fit of your helmet and, and it makes it unsafe. So, so I think that absolutely plays a part in this rule change and in the way that the wording is considered here. Um, It's kind of like, it's, it's very dense for me to read the whole thing, but there, there seems to be two things. One, like, yeah, a show committee can say like, if your hair is, not properly turned out basically like how if your horse isn't turned out, should you be allowed to enter this class? It sounds like a show committee can tell you no. Um, but also that your helmet has to fit you at the end of the day. And now there, this proposed change, proposed change would give uh, a show committee the ability to say like your helmet doesn't fit. So you can't ride. Well, and I mean, so I wear my hair up every day. I actually don't like my hair to, a lot of people will put it in like, you know, the dressage bun that goes outside their helmet and stuff like that. And I just personally, it drives me nuts to be like on my neck. So I have for years and years, probably since I've ever worn a helmet, it's always gone up. And, but I get my helmet fitted with my hair like that. So my hair is always generally the same length, like maybe give or take three or four inches. So like, it's fine. But I always get my helmet fitted with my hair. And actually the people at Charles Owen um, told me years ago, make sure like, how do you wear your hair? Like do it the exact same way. So I basically like bring a hairnet or I can do mine a lot of times without a hairnet, but I do exactly how I would wear it daily showing. It's always the same. And I put, you know, the rubber band at the base of my neck. So actually my, and it's just a low, low ponytail. And I like my ears covered just for personal preference or whatever. And I stick my hair straight up in it. And then I get the helmet fitted correctly with that. And then every day, you know, then it always fits. And I think that's what's recommended um, or should be recommended from the the helmet people is every day if you were going to wear your hair the same, it should fit in that helmet correctly like that. Caroline, do you wear your hair up in your helmet every time you ride? Um, I do. And, um, I actually recently bought a new helmet because it was high time and I got a Charles Owen that it's actually shaped a bit differently. I, and honestly, I can't remember if I went from the GR8 to the JR8 or the other way around, but this helmet is a bit more oval shaped so that it can fit my hair up into it. And I have noticed that my helmet feels far more stable on my head with this new helmet because when we fitted it we put my hair up in a low ponytail twisted you know the the like ponytail up into my helmet and fitted it that way when we did it before I had like a bob like I had like short hair so I didn't have that much hair to really have to work around so it does it does make a big difference in helmet fit that's for sure so I think you just got to make sure your helmet really fits your head. I think that's probably the moral of the story. So Absolutely. what about what about show jumpers? Because like I'm someone who at home I wear my hair down, like like in a ponytail, lo- like low at the base of my neck. But I don't pull all my hair up until my helmet because I have too much hair and it would not fit. So like at home I just ride with a ponytail always. So when you see occasional pictures of show jumpers with their ponytails out. Um, do you guys have a preference in whether you think 
you know, the USCF should enforce whether or not. No, I think it's personal preference. Like I honestly, I think, you know, if you want, and it's not just, I think for dressage, there is a rule stating, I could be wrong about this, but I think you actually have to have your hair up for dressage. And it's more just jumping and show jumping and stuff like that, like in the jumper classes. And I think, I think it looks fine. There's a lot of girls that like their hair's down and that's just kind of what they want. It's more comfortable for them. And in that discipline, it's acceptable. So I think, I think it's fine, but that's just me. I mean, that's just personal preference to me, but I think, you know, like for you, it's comfortable for you to have it down. I just prefer, I don't like the way it feels on my neck. Like I could never wear it down. So yeah, I think, I mean, it's so subjective and people have so many different types of like hair and shapes of heads and thickness of hair that I think, you know, I, as I, it used to really bother me when I used to be kind of like, I don't know, a little bit more snooty about stuff like this, but now I just realized that safety is number one. So if your hair is out so that your helmet can fit your head better by all means, like Kristen Vanderveen comes to mind as like a top show jumper that rides around with her ponytail out, you know, she's at top competitions and her ponytail is out and I don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. I don't know. Just like to each his own, if that makes you more comfortable, some people have like crazy sensitive, you know, necks and scalps and stuff like that. And I think we've all probably experienced that headache when you've shoved up all your hair into your helmet and then you take it off at the end of the day and your head literally hurts. So I don't know, you know, exactly. I think it's fine. It, It doesn't bother me anymore. If you have a question for us that you want us to address or talk about, or if you just want to send us a fun meme, which some of you have been doing, which we love that too, send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Again, that's hello at heelsdownmedia.com. So guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Um, Okay, so I'm... Jess, you have to go first because you hinted that they, you had some sort of rose that I wouldn't like. And I want to know what it is. I want to okay. know too. <laughs> okay. So my rose is we finally, finally signed the loan and on the property in North Carolina and everything is going to start getting built. So we might be moving to North Carolina eventually. That's cool. It's only about three years too late. I told you we're going to like it. <laughs> I think that's you're like cool. the one person that's not Whatever. happy about our, our loan. <laughs> Whatever. No, good for you. <laughs> like, good for you. Um, so we no, actually just up there looking at the property and hopefully it's the last time that I see it where there's no, it's just land. Now, hopefully there'll be like some vertical construction next time. So Hooray. that would be my rose. And then my thorn is... My belly's getting big. Is that a thorn? Because it's kind of like a thorn in my side. I just get real big. <laughs> Maybe a thorn for you, but it's a rose for us. I know. That's so so I think I'm going to cheat because he's, I mean, it's a good thing. He moves all the time, but he is like kicking a lot. So I'm like, oh, that's my ribs. So I guess those Aww. would be going to cheat and kind of have a little bit of not really a thorn because you guys did that last time. So Justine, what's your rose and thorn? My rose is that I'm going to buy a new saddle this week. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Not yet, but I've just said I have the money. I'm buying it. (laughs) So 
I have appointments. I'm going to buy a saddle, though. I'm doing it. I'm excited, though, because I have not had a new saddle in a long time. Um, That's exciting. Yeah, just I'm excited. I'm investing in myself. But And then my thorn is that Alex and I are hosting Thanksgiving this week for the first time ever. So uh, in our hipster fashion, we <laughs> bought a turkey that was pasture-raised and born, and we got updates of it from the farm as it grew up and now it's dead and plucked it in our fridge, but it's a never frozen born and raised just down the road, uh, free range Turkey. And we have to figure out how to cook it. So that's my thorn because family and cooking and I'm just, I'm not good at any of these things. So Alex is just going to have to do all the work. I just want to say that I am so excited and supportive of, the like how you guys source your turkey that is the best it's impressive i actually studied sustainable agriculture and um food politics in college as one of my main oh wow okay so i could yeah like it's a humongous passion of mine and that is so 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 important however I think it's kind of messed up that they were sending you updates on this <laughs> I know, I know. Well, okay, so just to explain that, the guy who owns the farm uh, is Alex's, like, friend from high school, and now he's, like, a total off-the-grid farmer. Like, we've bought chickens from him and cooked his chickens before. I love him. And, okay, he is pretty hot, too. I'll send you a picture later. He's, <laughs> <laughs> like, this cute God. farmer man. But um, he's married, and he has a bunch Happy. of children. But so don't worry. <laughs> but um, but his chickens were like they're delicious, like unbelievable. So I'm really excited for the turkey. Awesome. But that's his business that they raise poultry, basically. Sweet. I love a hot poultry raising man. Man, there's just nothing that gets me going like a poultry raising man. Love it. I can't wait for you to top this. <laughs> Caroline, what do you got for us? <laughs> uh, well, speaking of, I bought my wedding dress this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So that's my rose. And I saw the venue for the first time where we're getting married because since it's in North Carolina, I picked it from afar which was a little bit scary, but I had sent my mom who lives in North Carolina to check it out. And she said, I think you're really going to like this venue, but we need to book it like ASAP. If you think that you want to have your wedding there because they're running out of dates for 2018, you guys planning a wedding is freaking nuts. It is like yes. such a racket. Oh my God. It's nutso bananas. Yeah. So, we've been there. You're going to do yeah. fine. You'll get uh, there. We'll get there. Um, so I got the dress. It is like everything I ever want. I'm a girl that like watched say us to the dress for many years before I ever, it wasn't even about like, Oh, I'm dying to get married. I just always watched that show because it's just entertaining. Um, Did you know exactly what you wanted before you went in? I had no idea. I had no idea what would look good on me. I had no idea what style I wanted. I knew that I wanted something not super traditional, like not heavy lace um, or like, I don't know, just not something churchy because we are not getting married in a church. We're getting married at like at the venue that we're having the rehearsal. Uh, I mean, sorry, the reception at the rehearsal. And, um, so the dress that I ended up getting, I'm so excited to wear it. It is fun. It's like a little bit sexy. It is different. Like it's very unique. Um, so I'm really excited. So that was definitely Yay. a huge rose. Um, 
my thorn is that so I flew down to North Carolina to buy it um, because my you know the people that I wanted to go with me to buy it are all in North Carolina um, and so I had to spend many many hours in Newark Airport which is uh, truly the worst place on the planet it's, yeah it is hell on earth so I'm I still feel like I'm recovering from that because it's just so <laughs> terrible <laughs> but that was my thorn that's not a bad thorn it was, no, pretty, it was a pretty good week well, if you want to hear more from us, you can check out Heels Down Magazine. It's an interactive digital magazine on your phone or tablet, so you can take it anywhere, even to Newark Airport, when you're stuck there for many, many hours for no apparent reason because your flight's delayed for an imaginary reason. You can download it on iTunes or Google Play or check out our website at heelsdownmag.com. We'll be releasing episodes of Heels Down Happy Hour on the second and last Fridays of each month. Also, did you know that you can get the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone? Just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. So I think that we should cheers to Jess's new home, new future home. Yes. Yay. I thought Yay. for a second you were going to say the flying spaghetti monster. but We can also okay. cheers to the flying spaghetti monster and <laughs> hot poultry man. I think okay. we can cheers I to think, I think all three. I think we could each pick one. God bless hot poultry man. <laughs> I hope he never hears this ever. And I'm not sure which one's going to be more obsessed with hot poultry man between the two of you. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not. This is all Caroline. We're a few states apart, so we can duke it out. <laughs> The Caroline's cheersing to Hot Poultry Man. You got this spaghetti monster, and I got the farm. We're all, all right. Good. Life is good, guys. Cheers. Good. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.